Hey, everybody, this is Hall of Famer Devon Dudley here, 24-time World Tag Team Champion. And you are listening to my man, Wolfie D, right here, live and in color. Testify. Hey, this is Jimmy Street, host of the Live and in Color with Wolfie D podcast. Hear the life and times of professional wrestler Wolfie D. From his time in the territories with PG-13 to his time in WWE, ECW, WCW, TNA, and more. Nothing is off limits and nothing will be held back. Thanks again for tuning in. Here he is, Wolfie D. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome once again to Live and in Color with Wolfie D and my man Jimmy across the street. What are you doing, homie? <laughs> Not much, <laughs> man. Just, you know, doing this podcasting game. You know how oh, it is. That old podcasting stuff. Yeah. The, the once a weeker. Well, you got more than one. You got this one and you got your other one. Yeah, too many. That? It's like all on me, damn it. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. It's all you, good. You are the podcast master. Oh, thank you. I don't know about that. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I heard about, and, and I'm going to, uh, because I, I didn't put it on social media or anything, because when I saw it, I was like, wait a minute. Bart Sawyer, not Brett Sawyer. Now, I know Brett Sawyer passed away, but then Bart Sawyer passed away as well. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, Jimmy. I don't know if me and you spoke about this, but I honestly, and this is no disrespect, I really loved Bart, nice guy. Uh, I thought Bart had passed away a few years ago. And I know he had a stroke and things, but I had, I had honestly thought that he had already passed away. And so when I realized that he hadn't and then he just did, it was like, oh, shit, man. Yeah. Because I asked you, I was like, we should have Bart Sawyer on the show. And you're like, he's he's no longer with us, man. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, uh, okay. And yeah. I believed you because it's not like you can go to bartsawyer.com. You yeah, know? I believed it. Uh, and wow. Yeah. yeah so, sad yeah. stuff, man. Our condolences go out, man. Please. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, people are giving all these great, you know, just posts about, I guess they're like eulogy for him or whatever. But yeah, yeah. what an interesting and original dude. I know he was a Piperite. He was a acolyte yeah. of Roddy Piper, which yeah. nothing wrong with that. But, you know, yeah. interesting yeah. dude. So, yeah. yeah, and good worker, man. And uh, I think he helped a lot of the guys that were younger than him and stuff like that. So, that's uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, our condolences for sure. Yeah. Bro. Yeah, my 32 podcasts and you. <laughs> right. And we have got a definite cool guest today. Um, can't wait to talk to uh, Devon Dudley. Devon. Hold on. Trash, flash, slash. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme. Yeah. We broke it. We broke our streak. It's over. Oh, man. But it's all good, man. Devon Dudley. Good job on this one, Wolfie D. Literally, golf clap to you on well, this Well, yeah, no, I do what I can. I do what I can. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm stoked, man. He's uh, he's he's one of those guys, man. He's like, I mean, you know, he's like either them or the Road Warriors in a lot of conversations for the greatest tag team of all time. So, you know. I mean, yeah, you can definitely put them in there, man. And you know what? It's so funny to me because... Because, you know, just uh, I don't mean to sound arrogant about it, but it's like I have to take a step back sometimes. And then like I listen to how you will talk to some of our guests or whatever. And I forget. Oh, yeah, man. Like they they like when I knew, you know, the Devon from 1996 and 97 is not the guy that we're about to get on the phone and had an, has not patented 
how would you say that? Hat and have? Yeah, hat and have <laughs> achieved that at that point. So, you know, it's like, wow, Devon is a fucking legend. You know what I'm saying? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't look at it like that with right. people. Right. That makes sense. And, you know, that's tricky too. But I mean, it also, I think, is part of the charm of our show, Wolfie D, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. You, you you know you see them as as peers and and I I'm just a fan of them you know usually so I I I can't think of a time in the past 10 15 years that you know they haven't been on the you know quote unquote Mount Rushmore of, of wrestling for tag teams man they're really up there and yeah I mean I always kind of considered you know if the Road Warriors and the Dudleys would have matched up it's kind of like you know P, you know like PG and Rock and Roll got to have that whereas mm-hmm. they did not you know what i'm saying so that would have been a great match i know that so yeah definitely so man um anything else before we get to it any news well well, kid cash you know doing great doing you know the shows are doing awesome did not you know that's no surprise but yeah yeah, he's just one of those guys that I think everybody wanted to listen to and hear. So very happy with that. Trash flash slash cash cash flow. You know, yeah. <laughs> finished watching wrestlers. That was good. I even yes. see that. Yeah. 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 Good. I enjoyed that. It seems like they got uh, g- great reviews. I think I saw that it's 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. So whatever that means, yay. Uh, wow. <laughs> I think that's like a six-star Dave Meltzer match, I think. A six stars equal to a hot <laughs> tomato. <right on. laughs> but anyway, yeah, good for them and uh, good for us because we got Devon Dudley on the show today, man. We do, man. Let's, uh, let's don't waste any time, man. Let's talk to him. All right. We'll be right back after these messages. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, folks, to get your official Live It In Color with Wolfie D merchandise, go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash live Wolfie D. Check it out. If you're listening to Live and in Color with Wolfie D on Apple Podcast and like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a five-star rating. And while you're at it, write a review. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you'd like to hear in the future. It's very important to us and always appreciated. Thanks again. All right, folks, we're back. And as usual, my promises always stick. And today I got one of my favorite people, man, favorite people to be in the ring with, just be around. One hell of a nice guy and uh, a very, very accomplished Hall of Fame tag team wrestler. I'm talking about none other than my boy, Devon Dudley. What's going on, man? How are you doing today, buddy? Uh, well, I'm dealing with some sick kids. So if you hear some babies in the background, that's my baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's just daddy daycare she's singing cocoa melon right now so okay yeah nice that should keep her attention for a minute <laughs> <laughs> 
Heck yeah, man. Well, dude, you're, uh, I mean, you've been on a roll for quite a few years now, but so what you and you and, uh, Bubba getting back together already did, I guess. Well, we did the, um, the impact 1000 episode and, uh, uh-huh. had a lot of fun doing that, but yeah. and I hadn't been together in seven years because in 2016, we had our last match at SummerSlam uh-huh. against Sami Zayn and Neville. Yeah. And uh, we, they said farewell to the Dudleys the next night on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Um, as, as far as I'm concerned, it was a lame way to bring us out. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Impact did it the right way. You know, brought gotcha. us back uh, for the 1000 episode. And I told everybody, if I don't come back after this, then this is the way I would have preferred to go out. Not the way WWE did. Yeah. I'm happy yeah. that I got the opportunity to do it that way. We had a lot of fun. The fans were very receptive. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, not to mention, you know, I had back surgery. I had three discs fused and mm-hmm. I had a stroke uh, in Ugh. 2019, November 13th. So Man, to come yeah. back, back to back from all of that basically was a feat in itself. And I thank God every day for that because chances are I should not have been in that ring doing what I was doing at the 1000 episode, but I was and I did. And it yeah. was all through the grace of God. And I thank him so much where he brought me and where I've come from, where, where I came from to, yeah. to get to this point. So, you know, That's as far awesome. as I'm concerned, I'm, I'm blessed and uh, very happy. That's awesome. That's man. awesome. Great yeah. to hear that, man. I mean, I, I feel you, I, you know, I've seen you the past couple of years here and there at a couple of conventions and stuff. I'm pretty sure we talked about my heart attack and I've had stents put in and my body's, I haven't had the back surgery yet, but it's looming and hip surgery needs to happen real soon and all those things. So I completely understand. And, but it's just so hard sometimes to say, dang it. I, you know, I, I unfortunately really don't think that I've had the opportunity to depict my way to go out other than, you know, Impact treated me good on the Slammiversary last year by bringing me back in with Jim Mitchell for the battle roll. I thought that was nice, but, you know, I guess that was a, a good send-off there, but it's always glad to be able to determine how you ride off into the sunset, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, I no fault, you know, with WWE, um, you know, not angry or, or mad at them. I'm just, like I said, that wasn't the way for us to go out. Right, yeah. but this was truly the way to go out. Uh, the way Impact did it, and I was very happy. Uh, again, I don't have a bad thing to say about the McMahon. Never did, and never yeah. will, because right. house I'm living in, the you know the way that I go to autograph signings and I get paid yeah. for writing my name down on a piece of paper. I got to yeah. thank the McMahon family for that. Vince, Triple H, and Stephanie and Shane uh, yeah. for all of that. Because if it wasn't for them. You know, I wouldn't be in this predicament where I am today. So thank yeah. God for that. And plus, I've always done things. Uh, how do I say this? I've always done things the right way, so to speak. I've always done business the right way. I've never done anything right. uh, wrong or I've never made anybody upset with me, although I don't think I have. There were certain <laughs> situations that, you know, where people, regardless of you, have done everything right, but that don't mean that they would have liked you. So, you know, I'm very, very uh, happy that that was the case and that, you know, I built the reputation that I built over the years. Never been in trouble with drugs, um, never got in controversy. My demon was women. (laughs) I think think every guy in the wrestling business demon is that. And, uh, you know, I've had my share over the years. It cost me, you know, my, my first marriage, who I regret. You yeah. know, I regret my, uh, for, you know, for that happening to my first marriage. Uh, cause she was a beautiful woman inside and out. 
and she still is. Uh, we get along great now, even though I'm married again. Um, the woman that I have now is, is just incredible. She was there for my stroke. She was there for everything. And, you know, I can't thank her enough for the things that she's done for me. So it's one of those things where I'll be eternal, great, eternally grateful for everything that God has blessed me with. Man, that's awesome, Devon. And it's it's nice to know that you're uh, so grateful for everything and appreciative of it. That's that's uh, that's cool. That just shows your character, bro. So let's move on to this, man. The last time I saw you, you said, "I'm mad at you," and I said, "For what?" And you said, "You call my mom a hoe." <laughs> I said, oh, "Wait man. a minute." I said, "I didn't call your mom a hoe. That was Jamie." He that said, was Jamie. You said, you said, yeah, but you laughed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, even after it was done, it was great because, you know, I, I was, I was a stickler for just watching my matches over and over again, not uh-huh. because I was, con- you know, conceded or anything, but I was always see things that other people didn't. So I was yeah. trying to make it better. Yeah. And I remember watching that match over and over and over again. And mm-hmm. because it reminded me of a WWE match. Mm-hmm. Well, I should say WWF match, where it was the old school way of doing things, the Memphis way. Yeah. We did the pump handle spot. We did all of that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. You know, so, when you're with ECW for so long, you yeah. tend to get caught up in that hardcore. And yeah. I really, really thought it was a blessing in disguise to be able to be with you and um, Jamie, because again, we got a chance to work that Memphis WWF style, and it right. was great. And that was a style I was taught to by Johnny Rods. Right. All right. So you're probably going to hate me for saying this then, <laughs> because here's the, here's the thing. We we kept coming up there and whatnot, and we were we were heels every time we come up, man. We pretty much worked with everybody and, you know, this, that, and the other. And then all of a sudden we show up to this pay-per-view and they're like, you're working the Dudleys and y'all are the baby faces and they're going to do pump in. You know, <laughs> y'all were coming to us wanting to do our spots is kind of, we just, we were so used to doing it as being the heels. And I felt like, honestly, I felt like the match would have been a thousand times better. And I'm not saying it was bad. I liked it as well, but I thought it would have been a thousand times better had we have been the heels. And I, I kept thinking that I'm like, why is this happening? I don't understand why we're, you know, you guys were, weren't you, you were supposed to work somebody else and we just kind of replaced them, right? I think so. Yeah. But at that time we were red hot heels. And yeah. to the point where people, we had that Freddie Blassie heat where people yeah. were waiting outside, you know, with padlocks and chains and, and acid. Yeah. I mean, I've had, I had tobacco spit thrown on me so many times. Oh my God. Um, it was, it was, it was, yeah, it was great. But that's when I knew that I had came, you know, and I became the heel right. I was supposed to be. Yeah. But I don't know in that, because you guys came in, although the fans, the, the ECW fans knew you, but mm-hmm. still, they wanted somebody other than us um, to win. And if that was the case, that would have been you guys. Yeah. So I don't know in front of that crowd if that would have worked. Now, if we'd have been somewhere else, absolutely, that could have worked. I just yeah. don't think it would have worked in the ECW style. Well, I'll be honest with you. When, you know, because that was in Fort Lauderdale, and that was also what I was thinking. I was like, these motherfuckers ain't going to get with us being baby faces. And I totally, totally think Jamie and his mic work at the beginning saved the fucking day as far as us being able to, you know, them get behind us uh, during the, that match being the baby faces. It was 100% Jamie's mic work, in my opinion. Well, yes, yes, and I, I agree with that one, but I also think, again, we were just so hated that, yeah. I mean, freaking, you could have had Darth Vader come in at, at, his, at his best <laughs> being a heel on Star Wars, 
and they would have cheered him. Or Freddie Krueger, <laughs> or Michael Myers. I mean, I didn't yeah. realize how much heat we had until we actually go back and look at a lot of the ECW stuff. And the fan mail that I had found um, that was, like, just unreal. It was, I mean, the hatred. It was yeah. like, I was like, you guys do know that this was a TV show, right? <laughs> <laughs> You're playing a character. Don't you think that's funny that, and we've talked about this a couple of times on here with different people, like, there's such a blurry line between, like, things you can get away with as a wrestler, as opposed to, let's say, it was you playing a, a role in a movie, something that might be racist or, or sexist or whatever in a movie, it's kind of like, they, they go with it, oh, it's just a movie, but if a wrestler says or does something in that sort of way, they attack the person, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Why do you well, think that? It's just wrestling fans are a weird bunch of people. Yeah, <laughs> and I say that I say that with a lot of respect because when they get heavily involved in something like what we do, they get involved. Yeah, they believe the character true and true. I I know people that basically know it's all the work, but yet right. they still get mad at the people that play the characters that they don't like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got family members that have met. Certain be like the Miz or what have you, and then uh, all of a sudden I get the the the, the mother calling me. What is what the hell is wrong with that Miz? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, I don't understand why he did that, and he's gonna act that way and blah blah blah. I'm like, you do know that you were just sitting down breaking bread with him and catering, right? Um, <laughs> in, in Ohio, and now all of a sudden you're pissed off at I don't like him. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm gonna hang up this phone right now because right now you don't force me to say something that really isn't nice. And that you're my in-laws, I'm just gonna let that ride. <laughs> I mean, they just get so heavily involved. Yeah. And they honestly feel it's like they forget, but you know what? That's a testament to those who play the character. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. You know, yeah. you can make them believe that even though they know you. If you can make them believe that you are that character that you're playing, you did your job. Yeah, yeah. And, and talking about how wrestling fans are funny and they're they're fickle and all that kind of stuff, I don't think it's. I, I don't even think it's all just them. I don't know, like like on Monday mornings, a Monday afternoon, you're looking at you know football stuff or listening to seeing co- uh, comments on social media about whatever game. They knock football players just like us. They one day they love us and the next day we're washed up and <laughs> we can't play or whatever, you know. Listen, I I heard this a long time ago um from a well-known coach and he said, "Think about it. The guy you say that sucks that's on the bench, how good do you think he is that he had to be on the bench? Had yeah. to get to that level. Yeah. I mean, think about it. How yeah. good is it to be? And then not to mention, can you imagine the guy who's starting? The guy yeah. who's starting, how good does he have to be just to be able to start? You right. know, you have, to be, you have to be a special person to honestly think that these guys aren't better than you. Right. Yeah. But yet <laughs> right. they sit there and they can tell you what they should have done Right. Yet they've never played the sport a day in their life. Right. They're still sitting in their grand, they're still sitting in their parents' basement, waiting for them <laughs> to bring them down that food, apple pie, or what have you. They've never been with a girl. They never did anything. But yeah. yet they can tell you what you're doing wrong and what you should do. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if that's the case, if you knew, if you know so much, then why aren't you sitting up here busting your behind trying to be where I am? Oh, yeah. I, I get it because you don't have what it takes to do that. 
Right. Right. Yeah. It, it's a different uh, different fan base out there with the internet being involved. That's really just all it is. I think people have probably always been that stupid, but now there's just a platform platform where they can make it public. <laughs> well, you said it best. They've always been stupid. <laughs> the internet basically has given them free reign to pretty much say whatever they want and hide uh, behind their computer. I remember I was at a live event. Um, I was a producer. Mm. And uh, the match, right before the match started, somebody said, hey, Devon, can we take a picture with you? So I said, yeah, sure. So I took a picture with him, and the guy said, oh, can I? again, I was a producer at the time, and the guy said, hey, I told you he was a great guy, man. You told me you wanted to punch him out. <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah, he was going online. I guess, I don't know if you remember him. He said something to you online on Twitter, said he would beat your ass and this and that and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, oh, you did say that. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Why would you say something like that? I never said that. So the kid, the guy, uh, he was a kid. The kid pulled it up on his phone. Yeah. And boy, the guy ran and backtracked like a mil- I mean, it was fast. <laughs> I was just like, wow. They sure. say these things because they never think that you're going to know it's them. Right. And then they get brave and go, oh, I'll tell you who it is. I'll meet you and blah, blah, blah. I ain't going to never meet you. Yeah, right. No, no, exactly. no they're never going to meet you. So as far as I'm concerned, they're a bunch of, you know what. <laughs> yeah. So, man, since uh, since 1997, you know, that was the last time. I think me and Flash Flanagan worked you guys once. But, I mean, obviously, the Dudleys that I wrestled in 97 are complete different uh stratosphere than than uh than what that was then what's it feel like man i I gotta know being a lifelong tag team guy had success with jamie had success with brian lee and tna but god dang it man what does it feel like to know that i'm a hall of fame fucking tag team wrestler well i don't think it's still synced in yet you know because i know when the hall of fame first came out i was in wrestling school yeah. At Johnny Rogers School, downtown Brooklyn, uh, Gleason's Gym. And I remember saying, man, oh, one day I can make it. If I make it as a rest, I can go into the Hall of Fame. And yeah. that's always been something that I wanted to do. So mm. I've always wanted to, you know, get that feeling of what it would feel like to say I'm a Hall of Famer. It still hasn't sinked in. And it, we went in in 2018. So when mm-hmm. people tell me, it's kind of like I forget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, you know, you tell me about anybody else that's been in the Hall of Fame. I'm like, okay, cool. But then a lot of times, like Bubba reminded me, goes, Devon, we're a two-time Hall of Famer, mm. WWE and TNA. There you go. Mm. And so yeah. I, you know, I'm like, man, you know. And then I remember they put me in the Hall of Fame here, where I live, um, mm-hmm. the Bavard uh, County Hall of Fame. And you know, again, all these Hall of Fames. I mean, of course, only one means you know that much to us as wrestlers, which is the WWE. I hate to say it, right. but yeah. it does because we all dream about going in there. And right. so, you know, again. It hasn't hit me yet, but I, I do like to use that title, especially when people, intru- you know, the introduction or what have you. And it's like, wow, it's like, you know, Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah WWE Hall yeah. of Famer. I'm yeah. in there with some of the greats and I'm in there with people that I idolize and, and yeah. worship, you know, and right. it's truly an honor. It's yeah. awesome, man. I'm, I'm very happy for you. I'm going to hot tag to Jimmy, man. What you got? 
Well, I'm coming in with a hot tag here. So obviously you're talking about some of the greats that you're in the Hall of Fame with. I mean, there's Andre, there's Bruno, there's Hogan, Ric Flair, there's all the greats. But two of the guys that I think, and I believe you think, and I know that Wolfie thinks are absolutely the all-time greats. And you guys are compared on a level with them. Your comparison to the Road Warriors in your primes, is that your biggest dream match? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it it would it almost happened in 2003, I think it was, uh, when they came back to WWE, and uh, I believe they wrestled RVD and Kane. Right. And so right. you know they yeah. they were coming in, and we were just excited because we knew we were going to have it. And of course, a couple of months later, Hawk had passed away, yeah. and so we did get to wrestle Animal with Rick Steiner because. Um, Scott had gotten hurt in Puerto Rico, had a collapsed lung, so he couldn't make the pay-per-view that we were being pushed to do with these guys. So we mm. took one from LOD and one from the Steiners, put them together, and formed that team. So we were able to get one from each team at that time. That's cool. But, you know, yeah. I've always said, people like to say that we're the greatest tag team in the history of this business. And I, and I correct people. I go, no, we're not. Mm. I said, we, I said I'll, I'll accept the... The um, the the, the but I accept what you would say if you said we are one half of the, uh, not one half. We are the greatest tag team of our era, okay. because of what we've accomplished and what we've done. But you can't put you know the Road Warriors second to us, the Heart Foundation, uh, yeah. the British Bulldogs, even Demolition, uh, the oh, Rock yeah. and Roll yeah. Express, the, the Midnight yeah. Express. You know, yeah. Doc and uh, um. Uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy. You know, you can't mm. put us, you know, above them. You know, those guys come first, and I've always said that. You yeah. know, and the Road Warriors, as far as I'm concerned, are probably one of the biggest box office drawers that oh, ever man. hit this business still to this day. Yes, we did. We did some We did some drawers, too, in the main event. You know, we helped sell out Madison Square Garden uh, a few times, you know, with mm. Edge and Christian and the Hardys and, you know, with The Rock and Triple H and uh, Degeneration X. But still, we were good for our era. We're mm-hmm. not the greatest of all time. We were the greatest of our era. Yeah, yeah. definitely but so. But I will say, I will say we're the most decorated because no other tag team has held 24 world tag team titles in all three different uh, federations that were very mainstream at the time. So yeah. that, I will say, we're the most decorated tag team ever. But as far as greatest, no, we're the greatest of our era. Yeah, eight-time ECW, two-time IWGP, one-time NWA, two-time TNA, one-time WCW, nine-time WWE, man oh man. That is a resume in itself. How much hardware do you actually have in your home? I got to ask, do you have like a, 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 you know, do you have the major belts that you've won still? Well, yeah, I've got seven of those titles that are in there. Uh, but then I have uh, one, I have the television title that I hold dear to my heart because it was my first singles uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. title uh, in TNA and I uh, was very happy to hold that. And, you know, when I left, I was, uh, they were saying that I was the, the, the fight, a fighting champion and probably the greatest TNA television champion that ever had been. So that was That's a great awesome. honor for TNA to say that. You know, I mean, I was fighting all the time with it, defending it, and I had a lot of fun doing it. I had some great people along the way to help me. Um, LAX individual, uh, Hernandez mm. and Homicide. Uh, mm. You know, the Pope was great. Uh, Matt Morgan, uh, Crimson, uh, James Storm. You know, the list goes on. Uh, Bobby Roode, Eric mm. Young. I had a lot of guys that defended my title again and was victorious over. So 
I thank those guys for everything, uh, for helping me to, to, to get that title um, or that recognition in TNA. That's awesome. That's very cool. Yeah. So I'm going to jump to this real quick because I'm, I, you know, the feud with the Hardys and Edge and Christian. So it always reminded because I'm a, a Turner Crockett guy. Wolfie is too. Growing up, he's a Memphis guy too. But growing up, I always loved the LOD. I love the Rock and Roll Express and I love the Midnight Express. Why to me did that remind me that match with you guys, the Hardys and Edge and Christian? It reminded me of a modern day Road Warriors versus Rock and Roll versus the Midnight. Express. Was that ever a thought to you guys at the time when you all were doing that? No. What? Why, why that was so true was because of our producer. Our producer was Michael Hayes. Oh, so every there time you go. That we, every time that we've had a match with the Hardys, Edge and Christian, even the TLC matches, Michael Hayes was the producer. So oh. we learned a lot from Michael. Michael gotcha. was great. And Michael helped us to, you know, put put matches together that were like that, that reminded the people back in those days. So I was very happy to have Michael as a producer, very happy to call Michael a friend. And to this day, you know, we are good friends and I love Michael Hayes to death. Yeah, yeah. That's is that one of your most important matches as far as a tag team goes? That's got to be, right? Well, that's the, that's the one match after 30 years later people still talk about and people in the ring emulate and got to understand the Dudley's Hardys and Christian basically created history with each other by having a great match like the TLC match. But remember, the WWE actually made a, a pay-per-view out of that match because yeah. it was so popular. Yeah. So, you know, so thank God the six of us got together, did what we did, of course, along with Michael Hayes. And uh, basically we tore it down. And again, I can't be any more grateful than I am because of that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So let me ask you this. Uh, you're saying, you know, Michael Hayes and some of the people that you've named, you know, for, for helping you. Where does Paul E stand in that? I mean, he, he kind of, uh, ECW was where you guys were born. Yes. Well, Paul Heyman, if it wasn't for Paul, we wouldn't be talking right now. Yeah. Yeah. Paul was the only one that basically gave us a shot when nobody else would. Mm-hmm. You know, he gave everybody in ECW um, a shot when nobody else would. We were, we were the rebels. We were the, the degenerates. So mm-hmm. yeah. That yeah. nobody wanted. And uh, Paul said, well, if you don't take them, I'll take them. And I'll make stars out of them. And that's exactly what they were. Yeah. That's exactly what we were. We were stars. So, you know, my thing is, you know, Paul made us stars. Vince McMahon made us superstars. Yeah. And that's why I will always be grateful for Paul Heyman and what he did. Because mm-hmm. in order for me to become a superstar on that level in WWE, First, you had to become a star, and that was because of Paul Heyman. Yeah, absolutely. The time is ECW 96. A very popular movie is out at this time called Pulp Fiction. Who came up with the idea to stylize some of your earlier work after Jules and Pulp Fiction? Was that you? Was that someone else saying, hey, maybe try this? Where did that part come from as far as that was at least Paul a- Heyman? Yeah, Paul. Okay. Yeah, that was Paul. Paul, Paul, I sat down at the ECW studio. And um, when I was there, he basically tried to get to know me. It was the first time I had met him. He goes, what's your favorite? I said, what do you want to call me? He goes, I don't know. What's your favorite movie? I go, Rocky Three. Well, yeah. He goes, oh. He was like, and uh, wow. He was like, okay. We like Sylvester Sloan. I go, no, Mr. T. Clubber Lane. All the time. Yeah. He goes, you did? I go, yeah. He goes, oh, can you do Mr. T? I said, absolutely. So I did it for him. 
And he was mm-hmm. he closed his eyes and he went, Oh my God, you sound just like him. I said, I've been doing it for years. I know it. <laughs> Inside and out. So he was just and then he asked me about my, my background, my family background. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents are preachers. Uh, my father was a bishop. My mother's a reverend. Awesome. Uh, my mother Real. actually took over my father's church when he when he passed away in 2003, right before he you know, became a bishop. So she was the first African-American woman to pastor over 500 members in wow. New York City. That's and awesome. And so she was, a, she was a big deal. So, you know, that was great. So when I told him that, he goes, oh, okay. So then he put the wheel started turning. So then he said, then he said, um... Let me ask you a question. You ever seen the movie Pulp Fiction? I said, no, I've never seen it. He goes, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go down to your local video store. This is when they had Blockbuster and the family yeah. videos and all of that. Oh, yeah. He goes, yeah. I want, he goes, I want, he goes Pulp Fiction just came out on the uh, on, on VHS. He goes, I want you to go pick it up and take a look at it. And I want you to call me and tell me what you think. I want you to look for a character named Jules and tell me what you think about him. Mm. I said, okay. So I went home, looked at it, loved it. And I said, okay, Paul, I watched it. What, what am I getting out of this? He mm. goes, you're getting your character. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I want you to be the Bible-thumping, ass-kicking, Mr. T type of guy that basically don't take any message from nobody. He's a militant. Mm. And I was like, okay. And that's how Devon Dudley was formed. That's awesome. It was, a, it was a cross between Mr. T and Samuel L. Jackson from Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you if you think about it, Paul Heyman is kind of the Tarantino of wrestling in a way. And it's kind of crazy to think about. Is there any chance we could get a little bit of that Mr. T? <laughs> <laughs> God, I haven't done that in years. Uh, I mean, again, if you get my character. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> I mean, that was it. I mean, you know, the, the, the I think the scene that I did for him was when he... Um, you know, approach Rocky at the statue. Oh, hey, yeah. woman, hey, yeah. since your old man ain't got no heart, I tell you what, what's going to put this up over in my place? I'll tell you what a real man can do. You know, it was <laughs> stuff like that. And, I mean, of That's course, awesome. I, put a, I put a lot more into it, but yeah. it, was, it was great. Yeah. yeah. I was awesome. very mad. I was very mad when, um, what's his name? Um, when they redid the 18. Right. And, um, oh, Rampage. Rampage. Should have been you, man. I was very mad when, I yeah. was very mad when he got that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, I said, don't they know I'm Mr. T? <laughs> <laughs> Should have been oh, you. Man, That's was... awesome. Yeah. And then WWE did a version of it for a commercial, and they used Booker T. Right. I called Paul Lee, and this is when Paul Lee was actually booking at the time. I said, mm-hmm. um, let me ask you a question. Why <laughs> would Booker T get that and not me? <laughs> he was like, oh, well, come on, Devon. And I was like, no, Paul. I said, I'm upset now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He just laughed and laughed and laughed. So to this day, I see book all the time. I'm like, that part should have mine. Yeah, <laughs> true. I love it. Let's take a quick time out and get a word from one of my dope ass sponsors. And we'll be right back with more Live and in Color with Wolfie D. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you. 
Hey folks, this is Wolfie D here. And if you are looking to buy or sell a home in Tennessee or Southern Kentucky, you're gonna wanna call my buddy, the rock star realtor, Benji Bowie. And you say, Wolfie, how do I get in touch with this rock star? Well, you can call him directly at 615-390-8216. You can go to his website, BowieHomes.com. That's B-U-I-E Homes.com. Or you can email him at BenBowie34 at gmail.com. When you need a home, you need the Rockstar Realtor. Benji is a member of Exit Realty's Garden Gate team in Gallatin, Tennessee. Support for Live and in Color with Wolfie D is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WOLFIE at manscaped.com. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Who's a bigger ribber, you or Bubba? And, and tell me a good story about who ribbed who the best. Oh, shucks. Bubba is the biggest ribber I know. <laughs> <laughs> Give me some good Bubba ribs. Oh, God, I don't even know if I can tell it on the air. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, we can edit if you have to. I mean, you can keep it, whatever. Um, my God, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you don't need anything. You don't, you can't remember because it was so long ago, but you, have, yeah. you don't have to remember. You remember. Of course. Uh, <laughs> I got you. Let me see. Some of Bubba. Um, or any good rib. I like, I like people come on here and tell funny fucking stories. That's what I like the best. <laughs> Well, I do. And I think Bubba has something to do with this. I was in the bathroom <laughs> and um, I remember somebody going, Devon, you know, y- your music is hitting. I went, oh, damn. So <laughs> I got off the toilet, put my pants up. I was ready to go. And as I, we had to do a run in. So as I'm doing a run in, I'm running down the aisle. Everything is good. <laughs> as I'm running down the aisle, this toilet paper flap to the back of my pants inside. Oh, so I'm like, what the hell? So I didn't even, I didn't know it. And so Bubba goes, Steve, come here for a second. And I'm about to lock up with, I think it was X-Pac. I was about to lock up with X-Pac. He goes, Steve, come here. I was like, Bubba, I'm about to lock up. Are you seriously asking me that? He goes, just come here. And he reaches down and he goes, I can't, this is somebody's rib. I was like, somebody's rib? I go, what are you talking about? You're talking about food now. He goes, no, somebody was ribbing you. <laughs> and he took the toilet paper out of my pants, and I just went, "You son of a bitch!" He goes, "Even I didn't do it." I go, "Okay, <laughs> okay." That's a pretty oh, good man. That's brutal. Yeah. Do you miss the times of wrestling, say back in ECW days, and just the the locker, the difference of the locker rooms back then, and 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 what they are now? Well, yes, and you know, it was more the respect level back then was just unreal. Yeah. You didn't even dream about disrespecting anybody from from the from back in the day. Right. It's so evident now that these, these young kids do that. Yeah. And you know, that's just something that is is a it's our it's my generation, it's our generation that really did it because even though we had the respect when we were teaching these kids, we never really fully taught them how to properly respect the veterans before they broke into business, although we might have thought we did, but we didn't because they're so remember, we're the ones that are teaching um, these kids, of, you know, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. And just because of the simple fact that these kids are acting the way they're acting, I got to take some of the blame for that. 
but I mm. wish that the locker room was more respectful than it is now. Yes, uh, absolutely. And see, I didn't really notice that until I, I came back and did the Slammiversary and then uh, was on the Ric Flair pay-per-view and was a producer on one of the matches. And that's when I really saw uh, not not so much disrespect, just there's a there's kind of like a line in between uh, the certain age uh, where it's like the younger guys and the older guys, there's a rift between them. It's a, and I don't ever remember that being a thing. Now, I know when me and Jamie first broke in and went to Memphis and we had on shorts and fucking tennis shoes, there were some old timers that could not fucking stand that shit. They hated us, you know, and telling mm-hmm. Jerry, Jared, are you fucking crazy? So I get it in that sense where, you know, maybe they, they weren't right, obviously, because it worked, you know, but uh, the, there was always a level of respect. Uh, like, for instance, working with Danny Davis all the time when I first broke in, I I wanted to be, um, I wanted to come up with some kind of new type stuff and he'd cut me off. No, you can't do that as a heel. No, I'm not doing it. And the the thing is like a few years later, it's a non-issue spot of what I was trying to do. But back then I didn't agree with him, but I respected him enough and knew that he'd whoop my ass if I <laughs> tried to do anything. See, that, well, see, that's the thing now because of this, uh, you know, the way society is right now. God forbid if you yell at somebody for disrespecting somebody, you're in the wrong. Oh yeah. We're back in the yeah. where back in the day you you would tell that person to shut the hell up yeah. and go on about your business. You know, it's like when kids act up and the parent goes discipline them. Now we're wrong for disciplining our kids. But yeah. yet you want to be the first one to talk bad about us when our kid is sitting up in front of a judge right. uh because of the fact that they did something wrong, but yet we're wrong for not doing the right thing. Then you wanted to beat their ass, but other yeah. time you didn't want it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that's absolutely. the thing. You can't stretch nobody no more either. It's like you can't teach a lesson uh, to some of the guys that might need it. Yep. And that's the bad part of what's going on right now. And I'm not saying I condone, like, you know, taking advantage of a younger guy and just beating the shit out of him. But, you know, just sending a message, you know, just stretch him up a little bit. I mean, come on. That's, that's just uh, that's just a little discipline, in my opinion. Well, you know, it's like I don't know how bad. Bill, I don't know how it was with Bill DeMont being down there. I mean, he was um, at, at, um, at the PC. But, yeah. you know, I know Bill DeMont grew up with Johnny Rods mm-hmm. and I know Bill DeMond is a person. So for these kids to complain about it, it's like when he was down there, which got him fired. Uh-huh. I'm like, you have no idea how the business was back then. Yeah. This is why and I can take a page from Hogan's book. This is why this business is in the state that it's in right now. Yeah. It's just because of the fact that these kids don't know how to act. They don't know how to conduct themselves in or out of a locker room. But yet they think they know everything. And when things don't turn out the way they think it should, now all of a sudden they're upset. They want to blame everybody else but themselves. Yeah. Yeah. You know, look in the mirror and and see what the hell is wrong. Because it ain't everybody else around you. It's you. Yeah. Hundred mm-hmm. percent, and it's just—it's also just a reflection. I say this all the time. This is like, you, and like you were saying about disciplined kids in general. I mean, it's just society. You know how everything's changed, man. Everybody wants to cry about something, and they're the victim, and don't really want to pay their dues. You know, mm-hmm. so it's just a difference in like the world. Ex, I remember, I remember my second ex-wife came to me, and she said that was a big mistake. Uh, she said to me, um, <laughs> "You know, Devon, I, I don't want to work anymore." I said, excuse me? She goes, I don't want to work anymore. I said, what the hell are you talking about? She goes, well, 
I'm going to quit my job because, you know, I just don't like working for people. So what the hell do you want to do? <laughs> Sit on your ass and spend my money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, damn, like, I, I, I gave her five grand to get her makeup um, license uh, in uh, cosmetology and had a newer doctor friend that basically had his own office, own practice, and was willing to let her come in and, you know, do stuff like that, you know, uh, tattooing. Uh, permanent tattooing for, for, for makeup Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I got it all set up where she was going to get an interview and everything, and then she goes, I'm not ready. I said, you ain't ready? I said, you going to pay my goddamn $5,000 back? You better get a job or something. <laughs> you, mean? you ain't ready to go. I'm not ready. I said, you lost your damn mind. And now you know why we're divorced. <laughs> yeah, man. Wow. <laughs> you talk about it, but you don't do shit about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, let's talk about um, New Jack for a minute. I just popped in my head talking about people, you know, kind of taking liberties and stuff. And I, I got along with New Jack, man, you know, and and had good matches with him in TNA. I never worked him in ECW, but I worked him in TNA quite a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. Like the deal where he threw Grimes off the top of the scaffold. That, I mean, that's close to death, man, and 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 stabbing the guy. And I know he's he's not here to defend himself. And like I said, I like New Jack, and and I would say that he was a good guy, but. I I think he took things a little too far sometimes what what are your uh memories of of new jack in ecw well that was always jack jack always took things way too far and i think that's what made jack jack yeah you know um yeah. i think without that he would there would have been no new jack somebody yeah. needs to push the envelope and he was he was that guy that was willing to do it yeah so there was nothing really wrong with that in a sense but you don't want to hurt nobody in the process of it yeah. Which a lot of times, you know, Jack did, and you know, it, it was just New Jack being New Jack, and that's just the way it was. If you knew Jack, you had an understanding about him. But I love Jack. We had our feuds, and we had our online uh, verbal uh, going at each other. But at the same token, I loved him. He loved me, and that was the one thing I can honestly say that through all our feuds and his YouTube shit that he said about me. Mm-hmm. We actually squashed it and made up and hung each other and told each other we loved each other like the last time we saw each other. Mm. Well, that's good that you're able to bury the hatchet. Yeah. Absolutely. I was not mad at New Jack at all. I mean, like I said, we went at it verbally on social media, but then, you know, we were young and, you know, just dumb and, you know, getting the people involved in it. Just the whole big rift. And then I was just glad that we were able to talk about it after everything is said and done. Yeah. yeah, I've just got to go back way back to the beginning real quick. You know, of course, you're both being trained by Johnny Rods. But can you talk about first meeting Bubba when you first met him? Uh, Bubba was um, Bubba wasn't Bubba that you know now. <laughs> <laughs> no, Bubba was completely opposite. When I first met Bubba, he was at the ECW school. I was coming down there for a tryout and he basically was sitting in the corner waiting to come over to say hello because he was that humbled when he got there. But yeah. it was only because he started hanging out with Taz and Perry Taz and he became a prick. <laughs> 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 and he said that all the time, you know, it was like, yeah, Taz made him a prick, you know, him and Perry Taz. <laughs> and, you know, that was just the way things were back then. So, but Bubba was the complete opposite of what you see. So, you know, and people say, well, describe it. I said, well, what you see now, think of it as being the opposite of what you see. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And they okay. were like, really? I was like, yeah, he was the opposite of what you see. He was me, so to speak. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Got it. So Got you it. said Perry Saturn, and I'll tell you, that's uh, one of my favorite dudes, man. Uh, you know, him and uh, Cronus were in Memphis for a little bit before they came to ECW and absolutely beat the living fuck out of me and Jamie at night after night to the point where I was begging to get out of the angle. <laughs> and that was, you know, this was Memphis, man, and they're sitting there trying to do all this crazy fucking Japanese shit, and, <laughs> and we're like, they're killing us. Oh, my God they're killing me. but i love perry man and i've you know kind of heard that in recent years you know i know the story of him saving somebody or whatever saving a girl from getting raped and that he's had some troubles Where, where's perry where's he at now have you heard from him i'm not really sure no i have not heard but you know perry was somebody that i owe a lot to because of the fact that he helped me and bubba when we had our feuds with him and uh cronus back then and uh he basically just, he was a straight up guy with us. Yeah. He beat the crap out of us too. Don't get me wrong. He did. You know, but, you know, I think that was, I think he knew to toughen us up because we were getting ready for the APA. Uh, Brad yeah. showing Farouk. Oh yeah. <laughs> Ron, tell me about working with Ron. I mean, I was always lucky enough to just be at the ring with Ron on his team. I didn't have to take none of that shit. Talk about working Ron. with Ron. And everybody always talks about what a mentor he is to everybody. And I can attest to that. He's a hell of a guy, man. Talk about Ron. Ron's my, Ron's my dad. You know, Ron's uh-huh. my dad in this business. When I went through the whole, when me and Bubba separated, I went through the whole Reverend Devon gimmick. He helped me out tremendously. Um, you know, I just can't say enough words. You know, I remember when my daughter was born, I told my daughter, I said, this is your grandfather. <laughs> you know, this, <laughs> that's awesome. Grandpa Ron, you know, and I mean, that's how much I love that man. Yeah. You know, and if he was to ever leave us, uh, it would a tear to my eye. Yeah. I mean, I think it would be constantly crying because that's how much he means to me. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. I, I really enjoyed my time around him as well. Uh, but talking about people that were stiff and all that, you know, you guys, you know, you, you were snug as well. And, and we could be <laughs> when we needed to be. Uh, right. But, who do you think is like, was there any, cause I know there was for me sometimes, like I, I knew it was coming. I'd be like, fuck, I gotta work out motherfucker tonight. Shit. You know, and, and <laughs> well, not being scared, me, but just like, fuck. No, to <laughs> me, it was always the guys that were all jacked up. Mm-hmm. Like, like Val Venus, who was beautiful in the ring, beautiful, but he was so damn big that even when he tried to be soft, he was stiff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, cause he was so, he was so jacked. He was so, he had muscles in places that you didn't even know they had muscle. Right. right. So anytime right. you would hit him, you would hurt yourself. <laughs> you know? uh, so, you know, you'd be in the corner, he's coming in for a splash and he's like, don't worry, Devon, I'll take care of you. I'm like, bullshit. And I'll move out the way. He'd be like, Devon, why'd you move? I go, cause you hurt me. Stop it. <laughs> you know, him, uh, Tess, you know, any of those guys that were big like that, you know, they all hurt. Just yeah. Again, and they weren't, you know, if they were to do it to each other, they were soft. But, you know, I was like, you know, I'm 6'2". You know, at the time, I was like 230, yeah. maybe uh, 235. And I'm small compared to these guys being 6'4", six 6'5", foot six foot yeah. you know, uh, well over 275 pounds. So when they hit me, it hurts. Yeah. You know, they could yeah. tap me and it hurt. And you know, I knew it was going to be a long day with any of those guys that I was in the ring with. But they yeah. took care of me. They were very, um, they were very respectful. And, you know, they, they just took care of me. They did the yeah. right thing. But again, they just hurt. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. no kidding. Another feeling. So 
the, the time is around 2001, 2002. WCW, ECW, both out of business at this point. It's just the WWE. And they created an, an invasion angle. And I've heard thousands of podcasts talk about the invasion angle and all their theories. But my always theory from day one is I wish that it would have been directly three factions going after each other rather than ECW and WCW and then mixing up guys from WWE. I wish it would have been WWE fighting on their heels, trying to protect their territory, ECW being ECW, coming at it from a much more, you know, unrestricted style, and then WCW coming at it from that. What are your thoughts, and and how could have maybe the invasion angle worked better? Well, you know, I think it probably could have worked better if it was done at a different time. I just think that when that was done, it was, you know, when they say, like Dr. D. David Schultz, he was way he was he was Steve Austin before he was before yeah, Steve Austin. Steve exactly. Austin. Yeah. It was just that it was just that you know the wrestling world was not ready for him at that point in time yet. They weren't ready for a character like that. And yeah. in my opinion, with the angle that was being done, I think everybody got so burnt out from Raw versus um, yeah. uh, Nitro, the Monday Night Wars, that by the time that came about, it was just over. Yeah. You know, gotcha. I think if, if, gotcha. if you did that at a different time, I think it definitely would have been a lot more successful than what it was. But we had already seen that, so to speak. Yeah. So the people was just like, eh. the only difference was is now you got guys who are top stars, you know, defending ECW, WCW and WWF. But we had already seen it. So now yeah. what's new? Right. Right. You were doing it over the airwaves versus in person. And yeah, a lot more, a lot more what ifs could happen at that point. I do think part of the WCW element of it was a lot of the guys were still on those Turner contracts sitting at home. So you didn't have the bigger names there like, you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And then what would you do with them in the ultimate line of WWE versus WCW and that kind of thing? But I don't know. We could rebook that a million times. My thoughts are is I would have loved to have seen, you know, three factions going at one another. But maybe you're right. Maybe the steam was gone from that and it it wouldn't have mattered anyway. But I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's That's always one of those what ifs. I tell you what, though, you know, you go into TNA a little bit after that. And then at that point, you're you're not the Dudleys. You you have to be Team 3D. And I know there was many different names kind of thrown about and you kind of did temporary things. But how how is it when you go through a name dispute like that? How how does I guess tell us how that works and then and frustrations from that and things like that? Well, it was rough. It was tough because, you know, we were always going to be the Dudley boys regardless. But then, you know, I think after talking to Dusty Rose, we had saw him when we were doing a signing. And it was just like, you know, no matter what, you guys will always be the Dudleys, regardless if they say you right. can't have the name or not. You guys will be Joe Schmo. You know, right. you guys will always be Devon and Bubba Ray. Yeah. So regardless of what name you come up with, don't worry about the Dudleys. Don't fight that man for that name. And if he'll have you tied up in court for so long that even if you win, your money will go towards the freaking, uh, towards your lawyer. Right. So it's like, don't even bother with it. Just leave it and, you know, make up something else. And that's exactly what we did. Mm-hmm. We went back to the drawing board and came up with Team 3D. Mm-hmm. You know, Which is a great team. name. Yeah. Right. For a name. And then, of course, 3D was our finish. They can't take that away because that's generic. Right. You know, that's like right. trying to shoot do- Doritos. You can't right. shoot Doritos, you know? Right. Because, you know, they, they, they have the right to use the 3D logo and that's it. Right. Yeah. 
And I know we're we're coming close to our time here. And I want to say this, man. I, at the beginning, you know, I talked about the the match with me and Jamie against you guys and what my thoughts on it and everything. I wish, and I mean this, I wish, and I thought about it before, that the timing could have been right in TNA when me and Brian Lee as the new church with Jim Mitchell could have worked you guys. I think that would have been great because we were working Perry and all the ECW guys. If you guys would have been there and we could have had tag team matches with you, I think it would have been great. That would have been good. And, you know, I remember Brian Lee so well. He was such a jokester. Yeah. He knew the business. He knew oh, yeah. it. He was yeah. old school. He knew how to work a crown with yep. a baby face or a heel. And that was the great thing about Jamie. Oh, Jamie. That was uh, the, the great thing about Brian Lee. So, yeah. you know. I wish we would have, but, you know, it's that old saying, wish we could have, would have, but didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Could have, would have, should have. No kidding. Man, tell everybody, um, unless Jimmy's got maybe one more question, I'm going to get you to just throw out your uh, stuff where people can I find got, you where you're going to be. Yeah, I just got one more, I promise, and I'll okay. let you wear it out. I've been all over the Northeast. I've looked all over, looked on maps, GPS, got me lost a couple times. Tell the people, where is Dudleyville? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like the other thing. Parts unknown. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got you. Understand? Well, I don't want to know. Then it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy does around the world. You know, soaring his royal oats. So it was only fitting that each place he went to, he pretty much, you know, came out with a different child every time. It sounds like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you took the mantle. <laughs> 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 so tell everybody Devon where can they find you where can they see you this will drop on uh, this coming Monday uh, tell everybody whatever you want to tell them alright well you know I'm going to be at 90s Wrestling Con on mm-hmm. September 30th 2023 Bubba and I both will be there signing autographs kissing uh-huh. babies taking names and uh, <laughs> running the mayor we're going to try yeah. to do what we know and uh, you know and then also you know I'm on social media Testify Devon on Instagram. I'm on there a lot. And mm-hmm. of course, at Testify Devon on Twitter as well. My Facebook is private. I don't, it's only close friends and family. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Wolf Girl on there. Yep. Uh, so, you know, um, I, don't, I don't put on anybody else just for the simple fact that it's my family and I like to keep that just to them, my friends. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. But uh, and I'm also, you can, you can catch, uh, I have a wrestling school. Um, down in Winter Park, which is three minutes away from uh, the PC Center and uh, mm. right down the road. So when you're done training with us, I'm going down to get you a contract at the PC Center. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you yeah. go. Heck yeah. Yep. Well, man, hey, it's it's been great uh, talking to you for this past hour. Um, always great to talk to you whenever it is. It's great to see you uh, at those conventions when I get the opportunity to do that. But Jamie's kind of put the kibosh on that, so <laughs> we may not see you for a while. But uh, and again, I appreciate you so much, man, and uh, thanks for the memories and uh, your friendship. Thank you. Well, it was always a pleasure. It was a pleasure working with you in 96, 97, and it's yeah. a pleasure still being friends with you and talking to you this day. Thank you, my brother. Yes, sir, man. And uh, we're going to take a break, folks. Thanks again, Devon. Jimmy, after the break, what do you got for me? Ask Wolfie anything. Oh, shit. All right. Folks, we'll be right back. Thank you, Devon, very much. Thank, Thank you, you, sir. Hey, Thank buddy. You. Love you. Appreciate you. Hey, you got it. Thank you, guys. Love you, do with you. And listen, anytime you guys need me, you give me a buzz. 
Okay. Thank brother. you, sir. All right. Take All care. Right, you too. Take care of the babies. DJ, hit the music. All right, we are back with Ask Wolfie D anything, and man, oh man, Devon Dudley did not disappoint. He did that with two kids running around in the back, <laughs> yeah. four and five years old. Man, can you yeah. think about that? Dude, a man your age, okay, seriously, y'all are probably similar age. I think he yeah. may be a little bit older than you, but when it comes down to it, can you imagine keeping four and five year olds that are your kids, man? Oh, man. No. I'm tired thinking no. about it. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> God bless. And this is awful, man. But I'm like, I'm one of those people now, like, you know, my youngest is, is 10, right? Yeah. He's 10. Yeah. But I'm one of those people now where they're like, oh, do you even like kids? I, yeah, I like kids. I like my kids. <laughs> I don't like yeah. yours, really, but I like mine. <laughs> exactly. I love my kid and I love my niece and nephew. And I, of course, I'm going to have some, you know, respect for your son. But other than that, man, yeah. forget him, yeah. you know. <laughs> the ones that live in my house, Michelle's kids are cool too, but you know what sure. I mean. Yeah, and all of our listeners' kids, y'all got some great kids. Yeah. <laughs> jerk some knots in y'all's kids either. <laughs> yeah, jerk some knots in their asses every once in a while. Yeah. But other than that, we love y'all's kids too. Take their but fucking hoodies off when it's a hundred degrees outside. <laughs> that just drives me nuts. But anyway, I we're not going to get off on kids and. <laughs> The kids this day and age and now we'd like to jerk knots in them but whatever he was last show kid cash was on the last show but anyway <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah devon's awesome man and i was just impressed that he he apparently had done like two other podcasts before us too which is funny yeah and usually they all come after because they see that they're on our show and then they show up on a million others but anyway i'm off my soapbox <laughs> the thousandth episode of impact uh, you know i've got a little little high demand going on oh, right there. yeah uh but yeah and i'd even told him i said when he told me he had two before this one i was like hey man you want to wait a day because i need you fresh bro i don't need you burned out coming on my right, <laughs> right. hey wolfie how are you <laughs> yeah, no, he was great though. He was, yeah. yeah. And I think they, we didn't even talk about it, but I think they've recently signed a new legends deal or whatever it's called for WWE. So good for them, man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Anyway. So the very first question of the day is from listener Craig Hensley. And I like this one. And I think this one stuck. Craig out Hensley. I went to school with Craig Hensley over to Bobcats, baby. Yeah. Over to Bobcats. Yeah, Johnny O. Anyway, well, he asked a good question, and I think it's pretty interesting and maybe shed some light for the listeners here. So Eddie Marlin always played the role of commissioner on TV. What was his actual real role behind the scenes? Yeah, that is a good question, um, because I always wondered that, too, as a as a kid growing up. You know, they call him the matchmaker or the commissioner or whatever. But, yeah, Eddie ran shows, but not as much once uh, – I got into the business. He would occasionally. That was more of Buddy Wayne's deal um, on Thursdays and Fridays. But uh, Eddie would still occasionally run a show, and his were usually uh, in the northern part of the territory. But uh, yeah, man. And then he, 
I mean, I, he stayed on payroll for a long time. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of things stayed on that payroll that didn't necessarily need to be on that payroll. <laughs> we've talked, to, and I don't mean, you know, not so much Eddie, but I think we've talked about it before. But when Randy Hales kind of discovered some of the things that were in the books that were being paid for out of the wrestling money who were not, uh, you know, supposed to be uh, things for the family and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. but yeah. yeah, so Eddie was uh, just an on screen face to be the commissioner matchmaker. Um, and, and, and like I said, then he ran shows and of course Eddie worked back in the day. Everybody knows that he's just granddad and all that good stuff. So he's just, he's family. So he's in there and that was his role as he got older was, uh, was the commissioner. And you know, that reminds me, Mr. Coffee, if anybody's ever heard of him, guy coffee, uh, yeah way some years ago that I always thought was once I, once I got to Memphis and I found this out, I was like, how does nobody ever caught on to that of, uh, Mr. Coffee? And I'm sure Eddie probably had to do it a little bit too. Uh, if Mr. Coffee wasn't around or something, but there was no, uh, uh, earpiece in the, in the referee's ear to go home. So when it was time to go home, Mr. Coffee would come, uh, at the heel side of the curtain open the curtain and just stand there with his arms folded. And when the referee <laughs> saw, when the referee saw Mr. Coffee, he'd let you know to go home. I think and I've I heard of, oh, yeah, that's cool, that's man. It's fucking crazy that like, I guess the people in this audience were watching wrestling, but I don't know. I feel like, especially those ones that there was people that came to Saturday born wrestling every fucking week, man, you know? So, Oh yeah. You would think they would pick up on that. And it's just, it's funny to me that uh, that was the go home cue that nobody ever knew. Yeah. You know what's funny is you can, like, if you go to like a, a kid's sports game or something, you can see about 35 men standing yeah. there with their arms crossed. Yeah. So <laughs> it would be something I would have to fight sometimes to not, oh, wait, don't go home. Shit. I did that on accident. My bad. Didn't mean to cross my arms yet. We just started the heat. Yeah. Don't, need, don't go home just yet. But, Yep. Hey, yeah. Anyway, I that's that was yeah. You're right. Why would they not pick up on that? And I think I've heard that from other people that you know that was kind of something that maybe Jack Lanza would do. If, if I'm not mistaken, and that's really cool though, Ben. Yeah. But anyway, so that that was a great question, great answer. Definitely appreciate that, Craig. And yeah, go Bobcats, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the next question, this was an interesting one too, kind of similar feel there, but Kyle Vaughn on Facebook, he asked this question. He says, with you being such a regular in Nashville, did working for TNA at the fairgrounds feel any different to you than any of the other promotions that ran there? Did it feel more special at the time or did it feel like a little more hyped version of say music city wrestling or other local shows that ran there? I won't say USWA because I'm sure that felt more special since they're the ones that we all grew up on yeah. plus they gave you your break so that probably felt the most special of all promotions you worked for at the fairgrounds right yeah. a long question but, but anyway yeah. shut up now so. yeah so the answer to that would be yes it did feel a lot different now like you just said how many of those had i been a part of uh before that you know bert's uh stuff reno's um i'm trying to think that there was Probably uh, there's been a few name changes there. None of those really, I, Reno's now when he first did his back in 
I want to say 1999, and he brought in the Samoans. He brought in – I remember I wrestled Tommy Rogers on that show. Dang, oh, uh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was packed, and, you know, it had that feel of, oh, this could be something. But Reno has it has done that throughout time that I've known him and known of him. Uh, he'll run the fairgrounds with something, do it really good for a bit, and then, boom, he's done. So yeah. Like, gets tired of it or something <laughs> yeah, or gives it to somebody else yeah uh, yeah but yeah tna uh also because of the whole uh, weekly pay-per-view concept made it different it made it like eh, are people gonna pay 10 bucks a week to watch this right and, um i think you know at the beginning it probably people probably weren't paying that that many people weren't paying to watch it but um it just had a different feel to it, and plus you you knew you had Jerry Jarrett, you had Jeff, and all the right all the right people were involved to make it feel like okay, they're really trying to do something with this, and uh, so yeah, well, it was completely different. And then when they when they painted the insides of the fairgrounds black, that was uh, that's again, I'm I'm thinking okay, they're going pretty far here, you know. So yeah, trying to make it different, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's only time when I went, ah, oh, shit, was, uh, you know, because we started out, the first one was in Huntsville, mm-hmm. and then we come back to Nashville, and we go to the municipal, and I'm thinking, dang, we're going to run the municipal every fucking time, and then <laughs> that didn't last, and we're back at the fairground, so you you had to feel right that second that you were backpedaling a little bit. Sure. And, and then, uh, you know, then some of the, uh, I mean, that, that's later on down the line, I guess that's really the question, but... Um, yeah. So yes, it did feel different to me. Yeah, but I mean, the fairgrounds to me, the sports arena always seemed like a better home base for yeah. you know to run a wrestling show. You got less overhead. I mean, oh, of course. You know, I'm sure they spent a million dollars in paint. You know, but <laughs> I know they had y'all doing it. Didn't you help out painting that place? I mean, a I lot of people paint a fucking stroke on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I know that some people said they did, but yeah. I, I, I like I, that's dumb of me to assume that you would. I mean. The, the man not who admittedly never put up a asked, ring. <laughs> if I would have been asked, I might have done it. But also, <laughs> at that time, I worked 40 hours a week. So Right, right. And that's respectable, man. You can't hate on that, dude. Yeah. You got to eat, right? Come on. So, yeah. yeah, I like that question because it does paint the picture. See what I did there? Anyway, it, it does paint the picture of the differences that they tried to do in that one little building. And and I say little only compared to like Municipal and Bridgestone and all that. But what I mean by that is they really tried to, over the years, so many people ran in that place. Everybody really seemed to want to try to put their own touch on it, which is cool, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a great question, Kyle. We definitely appreciate that. Now, this one actually, since we're kind of talking the sports arena, why not finish with this one today? So the third and final question of Ask Wolfie D anything on the Devon Dudley episode is your favorite memory of the Nashville sports arena. That's Michael Bridgeforth on Facebook. Oh, Lord. Oh, so, Michael, um, that is extremely hard to nail down one memory of that building, considering how many times I've wrestled in that fucking building. Yeah. I mean, I've got good memories. I've got, uh, you know, like certain matches that I thought were great there. Uh, 
obviously won a, a number of titles there. Uh, yeah. Crazy fucked up stories that I can't tell you. Uh, <laughs> uh, just, you know, shit that happens in the back. Oh my gosh. It's really hard to nail that down, man. And I tell you, and I, I'm going to answer it with, I guess my honest opinion, I guess, uh, I guess Michael don't want me lying to him. No. Uh, and I, but I think I've told it before is the reason I'm saying that. Uh, but it was a, it was a cage match, uh, USWA versus Smoky Mountain. And I climbed up to the top of the cage to dive off, do the front flip, I think through a table or something, I don't know, on somebody, yeah. or maybe uh, just jump off, I can't remember. But what I do remember was the adrenaline rush, because it was packed, it was, and, and I've said this too, the way they had it set up back then held more people than most of the other promotions that say, oh, we sold it out or we packed it or whatever. It right. was a, a, a more seating there uh, in USWA days. They pulled out the bleachers as to where uh, most of the time uh, on some of those sides, they they quit pulling out the bleachers anymore. Right. Uh, but at any rate, uh, cage match, I climb up to the top and, you know, that position where you're squatted, holding the, you know, squatted down, holding the cage, about ready to stand up. And at that height where I was, it's like I was level. It felt like with the people in the balcony, you know? Yeah. And, that were up on the tops of the bleachers and when i slowly you know stood up to do the stand before the dive it's like every motherfucker in that building stood up with me and yeah. man it was like a rush when i think about it now it gives me cold chills but that was a really cool moment man of just i, I, I hate to say like being that over or them just them uh i mean fuck it we were over but yeah also just the they were that into it and it was there was like here it comes you know and, and jumping off the top of the cage in 1995 was it you know still even though jimmy snooker did it 20 years before or whatever or 10 or whatever uh it was still kind of a cool thing when somebody would jump off the top of the cage especially live yeah color you know and um see what i did there <laughs> so that that was a cool thing you think about it man and go back to the wrestlers uh that show i remember watching that and this guy says he said you can watch it i've watched it on tv all my life he said but there's nothing like watching it in person and anybody that's ever been a fan knows that and i'm not talking about the ones that come all the time because i'm sure the the new wears off there too but uh just if you don't go that often or your first time or or whatever it is different the loudness oh, of the ring and you know the excitement the yeah man i mean i remember both elements of it you know mm -hmm. the small amount of time i was in the business was was awesome but also mm -hmm. the you know working on bigger shows like that but also just being a kid man and just knowing that i'm about to see these guys that i think of as superheroes you know what i mean yeah. they're the best I mean, it, it, like I said, the, the the sound of the ring is one thing, but then also I remember as a kid, you know, one of my first times uh, attending was when a wrestler would get thrown out of the ring. And let's keep in mind, there was no pads out there then. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, you could feel the dude's body hit the ground and you might be you know, four or five rows back and not even on the same side of the ring, <laughs> but you yeah. know, the person hit that concrete, man. And, and I, I can tell you, uh, that I used to try to, 
if, if I'm to be thrown out of the ring, I would try to hit that ground as hard as I could with a slap, with a leg, with a something to to mimic that, to make sure that my weight was felt and the sound too of yeah. the concrete. That slap on the concrete, man, yeah. wow. Yeah, there's nothing like that. And I'm sure that does not feel good. But, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're going to do it, don't do it half-ass, right? right? Do it whole-ass. Go for it. Go for yeah. whole-ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, dude, I, I just – to me, there's there's just got to be those moments like that to where you have to own it and say, dude, that was rad. You know, mm-hmm. that was yeah. very cool. And I can say that, hey, I was a part of that. And I'm, you know, that's very cool to, to be able to do that, man. I'm, I'm That was a great answer. I think that was, I mean, I think that's the best, you know, I've heard you say that story before. And I think that is the most consistent favorite memory of yours i mean from what i can tell yeah i mean i'm sure there's other stuff i mean i'll be honest it was uh really an honor and a pleasure to uh be in the ring even though it wasn't a match uh jackie fargo being at ringside just popped into my head i forgot about that against colorado kid and uh you know i start challenging um Fargo, I've got a belt, and uh, you know, blah blah blah. And he comes in and takes it from him, gives me a big punch in that place, man. When he hits me, you know, yeah, three, and he counted three, you know. So there's there's a lot, man. There's a lot of memories to that I've forgotten, or you know, just don't pop into my head right away. But there's so many, man, so many people, man, just. Even the fans are seeing people from school because you know Nashville would be where people that went to school with me might pop up and it'd be like, haha, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool, man. Very cool. Yeah. Well, we have some more questions, and thank you all for posting so many here recently. They'll be on future episodes of Ask Wolfie D. Yeah, anything? I'm not gonna forget you. I just no. I told him that before we came on the air uh, to do this segment. I said. This uh, he said we, we got a lot of questions from where you shared us. Said that's gonna do you a while now, right? Yes, so it will. <laughs> we'll get to your question if if it's not one that potentially hasn't been answered, you know, more than once or something. Sure, exactly. And sometimes they just are. And maybe go listen to some older episodes, y'all. <laughs> yeah, that could be a thing too. Yeah, yeah. New listeners might not know of some of the older questions because we we've been around a minute now. Yeah, couple minutes, almost, yeah. almost. Well, we're going on two and a half years now, so pretty crazy. Hundred and fourteen episodes in, and yeah, we're still, we're still hanging in there, and we're always open to giving us some money. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. <laughs> We've been on the air for over two years now, Jimmy. Consistently, Uh, once a week for 114 episodes. Can you dig it? That's what I'm saying. Testify. Testify. (laughs) Anyway, well, that's all I got, brother. Good show, man. Yes, very good show. Thank you again, Devon Dudley. You're probably not listening, but uh, uh, we do appreciate him, and we appreciate you guys for tuning in. And for next week... I ain't got a freaking clue. So we'll figure it out like we always do in that rhyme but clue, not cash or trash. Anyway, <laughs> we'll see you guys next week on Live in Living Color. <laughs> <laughs> Live in Color, Wolfie D and Jimmy Cross the Street. Signing off. See you next week. 
And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Give Me Back My Pro Wrestling, the podcast that's based on the old school, but can still help you find the good stuff from today. Jimmy Street and the Plastic Sheik, Jared, are the undisputed tag team champions of the wrestling podcast world. From thought-provoking topics to superstar interviews to action figure expertise, this team does it all. And all they ask is, give me back my pro wrestling. Every other Thursday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Join me, Gene Jackson, for the Jackson Interaction Podcast, where I'll be doing one-on-one interviews with people from the world of professional wrestling, as well as stand-up comedy. You can get them anywhere podcasts are available in both video and audio form, but you can find them all at GeneJacksonPod.com. That's right, it's the talk of Middle Tennessee, the channel you love to hate and the channel you hate to love. It's Brian Turner from Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. And if you're looking for matches from Wolfie D to Jerry Lawler to Dusty Rhodes, and the team that put a pimp before your eyes and a goatee between your thighs, Booty and Athena, go to LostWrestling.com. See, I made it easy for you. Brian Turner's VHS Rehab. Booyah. So that was another great episode. Hey, Wolfie, tell them where they can find you on social media. Jimmy, they can find me in the club, bottle full of bub. I'm just kidding. Uh, they can find me on Facebook. Uh, my personal page is Warren Wolf, W-O-L-F-E. I'm on Instagram, at WarrenWolf13. You can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, at LiveWolfieD. Here's the thing. Wolfie always has offers for his autographed photos. He has a selection of some awesome photos from throughout his career that he will autograph and personalize any way that you want him to. Just contact him either directly at his personal Facebook page or through any one of our other pages, and we'll make sure you get in contact directly with Wolfie. Get those photos, right, Wolfie? Yeah, I've got some good stuff on there, you know, to help with the podcast. Folks, if you can't get out to a show to meet Wolfie D, there's nothing like that, especially for the fans of PG-13 and Wolfie D. And before we go, you can always find me, your host, Jimmy Street, at James Rock Street on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And hey, Jimmy, before we go real quick, I just want to add in there, uh, from the bottom of my heart, I really appreciate First of all, the work you've done for this podcast. You have worked your butt off. Secondly, the people that are liking the page. Beyond that, even more, is the people that are listening. And we really appreciate that. Yeah, and remember, guys, the podcast drops a new episode every Monday at noon. And our past episodes are streaming now on demand on all major podcast formats. Thanks again. I got a cat for you, don't. He got a cat for you, don't. I got a cat for you, don't. He got a cat for you, don't. And here we go. The original white boy that came out sagging, not bragging, don't be hating, cause I'm spitting the truth. Still loving in color. Don't rush your mother. Utilize a hubcap. I'm like any other. Back in the day, I was NOD. And I was P to the G plus the one and the three. In case you forgot, they call me Wolfie D. Been cloned and copied so many times. Title suckers taking credit for what is mine. You know who you are without me name dropping wrestling's first white boy coming out hip hop. Been doing it like this since 92. Laid low for a while when you thought I was through. 
listen real close to these rhymes that I've injected. This shit's so sick, it makes your ears get infected. Mad skills, no faking, there is no one great. Cause I'm bringing more folks from over one or data. Not here to play games, so you better be right. You don't like me, so what? I really don't care. Like the time I keep ticking and I can't be stopped. You suck a step to the side unless you want to get dropped. When my finish, I'll straight knock you out. Please allow me to tell you what it's all about. Gonna wind it up, then I'm driving it home. It's Ruby D, baby. Huh, I got a cap for your dome. I got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. We got a cap for your dome. This has been a James Rock Street production.